Awesome. Great. I'm uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this um, this spaces. Uh, we've got some amazing guests uh, that are going to join us. Um, welcome to everybody who's uh, who's joining us now and who will join us uh, as uh, as people uh, come on in the next uh, minute or so. Uh, just to kind of give everybody a bit of an overview, my name is Matu Rudolph. I am the Chief Operating Officer at Layer One X. I'm joined by our Community Manager Joe as well, who's helping me. Um, host this space and, and, and uh, looking after everybody. This particular um, space series is called X Talks. And there's a reason why it's called X Talks and why the focus is on interoperability because built directly into Layer 1X, which is a Layer 1 blockchain, is a technology called X Talk. What it does, it allows us or Layer 1X to connect to any chain, EVM, non-EVM. And so what happens when we connect to a chain, it allows that particular chain and the applications on that chain to have bridgeless interoperability between any other chain we're connected to or Layer 1X is connected to. So just to give an example, we're currently connected to Ethereum, Solana, Binance Smart Chain, Optimism, Arbitrum, Phantom, Polygon, and AVAX. And we're, um, which I think the timing's pretty good, is that we're currently... Uh, integrating the Bitcoin network as well to have uh, bridgeless interoperability um, uh, with every every chain within that uh, that I've just mentioned. And we will continue to add chains as we go. Um, I'd also like to give a shout out um, to uh, X co-host, uh, the team from X co-host who's helping us um, host today. Um, uh, shout out to those guys. I know that they're going to put a link um, in the comments there to the actual uh, spaces itself. So if as, if we can get as many people as possible interacting with that link um, and retweeting that out, and then we can grow the spaces more and more as we continue the conversation as well. Joe, anything else you want to say before we actually kick off and, and straight into it? Well, no, I think you've encompassed that um, excellently. Fantastic intro. I, uh... We do have a, a gleam where we can get a follow on for all the uh, all of the the speakers that we will have up as well, and I'll I'll throw that down in the comments. Um, but just give me a moment because I don't want to uh, rug our Twitter yeah. <laughs> uh, as sometimes does does happen. So I'll, I'll try and play the computer game from my end, but I'll I'll get that up, and that way everybody's uh, links and and um, sh- what's the word social shares will be able on there. So I'll I'll get that up at some stage during the spaces. But uh, in the meantime, over to you, sir. You're uh, no, thank you. Me. Yeah, look, it might be a bit overwhelming for you to do that because we've got so many guests um, t- today that are going to join us. But look, the the topic today that we're talking about, um, it's always about interoperability and the impact that it's going to have in particular sectors within blockchain. And today specifically, we're going to be talking about Web three gaming, interoperability, and Web three gaming. So really, it's a roundtable discussion. I want to encourage those uh, speakers that are um, that are that are welcome here today and, and that are guests here today to join the discussion. I'm going to um, you know throw out some some um, discussion topics, some some open ended questions, and um, really love to hear the insights that we have from our guests around those topics and those questions as well. Um, so. How about we um, kick off now? Obviously, I've introduced myself and I've introduced Layer One X. What I will do as we go through these topics and questions, um, for anyone who's uh, any of the guest speakers that uh, are responding to those, when you do respond, just give your name and your project name 
as when you're responding to it, just so we, we can we can recognize you and also uh, the project and then or the name of the project uh, that you're representing as well. That would be excellent. Um, so look, I think let's start. Uh, and we've got a few different topics and discussions that we can talk about today, but let's start off with one of the underlying assumptions of the value of interoperability. One of those underlying assumptions is that there will be games, Web3 games built on multiple chains. So meaning that a game might be on one chain and then another game might be on another chain. Um, hence, the value of interoperability has got to be there. Is so the first question, is that a realistic future for blockchain? Will we have multiple chains that exists, exist and will games, uh, different games be built on different chains so they need some sort of connection? Do we just jump in uh, with our name and project or should we put the 100% please jump in with your name and project? Yeah, All absolutely. Right. Please do. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, Blake from Gaming. Uh, look, I think that for sure, like there's always just going to be all these chains that different projects decide to pop their games on. Um, and I definitely think that that's just going to continue. I don't know. I don't necessarily think that it will generally jump to one solution unless there is some like crazy solution that exists in the future. But we're already seeing so many different, uh, I think like great features that come from different chains. Like I for sure think that the, there has to be definitely the importance of that interoperability though, because I think I, I look at it from a user perspective. And if we're like, when, when we look at mass adoption and, and pushing towards the masses, which is just everyday gamers, not, not just web three gamers, right? Like if we look at the overall gaming landscape, like even just PC gamers, for instance, like 1.6 billion PC gamers exist. How do we get out to them? We need that level of interoperability, like uh, whether it's through, uh, you know, uh, what sounds like a, an option, like what you guys are, what you guys are doing, or whether it's an option of like what we're doing. We've got, got a gaming platform when we're multi-chain or or whatever it is. I, I just believe that there needs to be that level of ease that comes in through. Uh, that comes in for gamers, right? Like gamers in general, like typically speaking, they're there to just have fun. They don't want to learn about what blockchain something exists on. They they probably just want to jump in more times than not just to enjoy that that gaming experience in the in the limited time that they have, maybe to just play games, right? So I, I don't necessarily think we should be trying to like push tech onto people. I feel like it should be built more seamlessly in the background. Um, yeah. I actually know that I've had a couple of conversations with Gaspo uh, about this. Ga Gaspo, this is this is Blake from uh, from Chatter. Gaming is now one of my clients, but I hope you've been well, mate. We used to jump in uh, with with Anna, and we used to have these gaming spaces all the time. But we've we've talked about this multiple times. But mate, like, we'd love to hear what, what you think about this as well. I'm just gonna double up on what you said. Essentially, that um, I think it's a good idea for games. Jasper, your mic, brother. It's a little bit, uh, I don't know, it's like distant. Have I, have I now? Yeah, now oh, much better. Better. Yeah, I have now got it in my mouth, so that's inconvenient, but we'll, we'll see what's going on. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm going to double up really on what you were saying, to be honest, that um, I think it benefits projects to be on as many chains as possible. I think from, it's probably not going to happen now, but in the future, I think it'll be a benefit for gamers that they don't, want to care what chain they're on we've got chain maxis right now but i think that will vanish eventually and people will be more game maxis and they won't care about your chain 
I don't want to see it particularly. I don't want to know what chain you're on. I don't have to keep bridging across to have different currencies from an ease perspective for the gamer. Allowing them to pay in whatever currencies they have, I think would be the best way to make it clean for them. I know we're seeing some games already that accept multiple currencies for the same asset. I'm unsure whether they have assets across the chains or whether they do the conversion and then you still get the asset on the same chain. And then we are also seeing games that are mixing between fiat and crypto for these purchases, which again, I think is quite a good move to allow people to come on as easy as possible. I do know that that brings in some regulatory issues, but from a game's point of view, having that ease of, I've got this money, and let me spend my money with you. Games should make it as easy as possible for me to spend. Yeah, look, I totally agree. And I think I, I think the mic slowly removed itself a little bit more from your mouth. <laughs> so definitely keep it in your mouth because uh, it, it was it was perfectly clear then. It started to fade a little bit at the end. But I totally agree with you guys. And I think it's a common theme that we've heard all along is that the users really don't need to know that they're on blockchain or that they're that the technology that they're using, um, it needs to be a seamless experience. And it's really interesting. I think you're talking about you know, the, the multi-chain experience there were games ex existing on multiple chains. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a and, and the need to be able to use multiple currencies on a particular game, whether it's from the native chain or from, from, from cross chain. And I think that's really important as well. And in, what's interesting about some, some of the interoperability technology, including ours, is that you don't have to be multi-chain where you can access assets, NFTs, smart contracts can talk to each other cross-chain so you you don't really have to have that multi-chain experience you can be on one chain but access cross-chain but i'm interested to hear um maybe if we if we can explore a little bit more around um let's say you know if we dive a little bit more into this idea about um games being on different chains how does how does cross-chain collaboration work how, how could that look i mean uh, is how is how is Web3 gaming collaboration working now? And is that what we can expect for cross-chain collaboration as well? Um, this one, I'm, I'm interested because, um, you know, I, I think about cross-chain collaboration, but I'm wondering how do games work together currently? Are they minting NFTs together? What's happening in the space at the moment in terms of um, Web3 gaming collaboration? Blake from just gaming again. Pass over. Oh, so, sorry, just, go, go. Sorry, one sec. Um, yeah, just as a, a, a service announcement from the from hosting point of view, we're just getting a lot of requests to speak, um, and we will rotate through speakers as well. So just be patient; um, everybody's going to get a chance to come up. But sorry, continue. Thank you. I was just going to say, um, I think right now it depends on how you look at it, uh, Spark. So, like for instance, the way that I've seen games collaborating with one another, probably for the past two and a half years in blockchain, is is more specifically around that sort of like PFP collection collaboration. So given that that's generally like the premise of like where most of these games actually start to build their, that group of evangelists around their brand to actually push the name and the brand awareness of their brand out to people. That's typically where we see like a lot of these collaborations happening. I don't know if everyone else agrees, but, but <clears throat> for instance, like for us, we, we've been able to actually like collaborate with people across ETH, people in Solana more specifically, because as we've sort of come out of that bear market, like they're the two chains that typically had the most, uh, communities on them based on PFPs being such a prominent community building factor. Um, like kind of coming into this market now, we're starting to see like even BTC kind of coming out with those NFT communities as well, 
interested to see all the token communities come back in full swing, but like I think that's typically what's been happening right now is like with that that I've seen at least from my perspective, and I think that's pretty cool. If you don't mind, I would love to, uh, to jump on. If, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll jump uh, after you. All right, sounds good. Uh, I, will, I would love to jump on the, on the conversation. First of all, I'm Pasquale, co-founder and CMO at Bloodloop, an upcoming hero shooter game, building on Avalanche and leveraging blockchain to you know create tools for the end user to experience a different gaming um, paradigm. Let's say that. So generally speaking, I don't necessarily agree with the. Um, with the idea that being on multiple chains for a game is the way to to make it, uh, as as the fact that you know building a game on chain means that you're building a game on onto a, a technological layer that helps your product to get to the points where your tools and the feature that you want to have in your product has to be implemented. So the the goal of building on multiple chains for the user acquisition standpoint doesn't really resonate with us as you don't really onboard users from Web3 at this point if you want your game to be a success. But at the same uh, the same level, I also believe that the cross-chain communication is something that we truly need. So as of now, there's a lot of possibilities for games to build and start building together, particularly when you want to target the niche audience of, of the Web3. So you want to stay in the Web3 gaming side of things. And as Gaming was saying, the opportunities of doing collaborative PSP, PFPs or collaborative in-game experiences revolving around blockchain is definitely something uh, interesting when you want to target the, the smaller niche, which is, of course, great when it comes down to business, because even if it's a smaller niche, it's definitely a niche which is more deep-pocketed than a traditional um, game, traditional gamer that you would onboard from, from the web to. So, of course, it's important to keep on targeting that audience. And definitely cross-chain communication is interesting to explore, but the way I see it is that it's more important for uh, infrastructures and... Um, kind of tool providers that a lot of these games are a lot of games are leveraging rather than for the game itself to think about the cross-chain features so it's better if as a product i can interact with um a third party that can help help, help the product out into building out possible uh, collabs possible cross-chain features rather than the game themselves start thinking about building cross-chain or whatever that, that's that's our approach at least no no I, and i totally agree with you i think as a layer one ourselves, our focus is purely the infrastructure. So if we can provide an infrastructure for for at the application level for Web3 games to focus on the application, but we can build in an infrastructure where the it can help uh, that application leverage cross-chain communication, then I think that's the perfect that's the perfect kind of fit. We'll stick to the infrastructure, you stick to the Web3 applications, but the infrastructure can enable you know, maybe more access. And, and, I, and I really like your point, Pasquale, on multi-chain versus cross-chain because I think sometimes like we're on multiple chains because of the incompatibility between chains. Now, if we can take away that incompatibility and have compatibility and in, in cross-chain interaction between chains, then there's really no need for multi-chain. Um, potentially. That's just my opinion. Now, we, we could look at a future where that multi-chain doesn't need to exist, where you can consolidate liquidity, where you could be on one chain but still access users and capital cross-chain. Now, um, I noticed before you jumped in and spoke, uh, uh, Pax, uh, Pascal, or as you jumped in, someone else had something to say as well. But I appreciate those comments. Um, who, who was the other person that was going to get up and, and, and comment as well? Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks. This is Ray. Uh, this is Ray from Zeta. Um, I, I uh, was trying to comment. I think I, I liked what Blake was saying about 
the multi-chain and uh, and I also understand from the gaming point of view why multi-chain is not the right one. So to give a little bit of background, so we started with building a game uh, called Born to Die, which is a uh, uh, currently a mobile hardcore game, uh, a shooter game. And while building the game, we realized that the way we want our users to interact with the game uh, was not something possible without really building a lot of uh, tech or infra to support it. Uh, right now, we have got a lot of new tech which has come up. I w- I'm talking about something two years back. So we ended up building ourselves on and that's how we learned in the process. But I like this, pro- like this point, right? So there are two points I would like to make. Uh, if I go back to the older uh, Web2 games or, or mobile games, uh, video games today, the any form of cross-chain or, or cross-game communication used to happen only through APIs. That means that it's an intermediate party, which is essentially uh, kind of becoming that uh, uh, middleman to essentially give and take the uh, communication or, or validate the transactions, right? But I think with Web3, that is getting lifted off. And it doesn't matter which chain a game is on, as long as I'm able to read the assets or execute on those contracts, be it the tokens, be it the NFTs, be it the SFTs, uh, we uh, as games would be able to consume it. Now, yes, I agree with Pipskis when he said so much of tech should not be built by the game. Games should be focusing on building a lovable, playable game which users will love. And all this underlying infra or on underlying tech, I would not say infra, but underlying tech, which should be available as a solution in, in form of APIs, in form of things which they can consume easily. But that essentially means that no matter which chain we are on, we should be able to have a launch. I can essentially run a campaign, a community campaign for Solana users, give them NFTs, let's say free mint NFTs, they come over here. They can use those Solana NFTs in my Avalanche game and they can get multipliers, let's say on the scores. That is possible. Right and and uh, and vice versa. These, these are all possible. If you want to collaborate with other games, you can do the same thing. Hey, if you have the game assets, you can come to my game and play the game, and you will get multipliers because you're owning these game assets. These all are becoming more and more possible by middle layer technologies that are getting built. Uh, Zeta is one of them. Uh, we are building actually focusing on the solutions layer on the top of infrastructure for Web three, rather than trying to build the, uh, all the infra on the um, Web3 directly. But uh, our intent is to essentially solve all these middle layer problems as we talk about. Yeah, no, I think, and I think that's really interesting because, um, and you bring up a really, a, a couple of good points because, you know, with the technology, the interoperability technology, you might be able to have your your NFT, your gaming NFT on, on Binance Smart Chain and the smart, smart contract, um, you know, communication cross-chain will allow you to then use that particular, whatever it's a tool or a weapon on a, maybe a game in Polygon. So, so now you are, you know, you're beyond that siloed nature of the chain, but Let's say what I'm interested in maybe um, also hearing as well is that, so what's the current landscape? If I'm a, if you're a Web3 gamer, what are the decisions that you're making now in terms of which chain you choose to build on? What are some of the decisions you need to make? What, what, what are things that you're looking for in, in a particular chain that are important for you to build that Web3 game on? Whether that's, you know, outside of interoperability, whatever that is, what is the, 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 the core components of a chain that you look for currently? I'm interested in the Web3. Yeah. Don't, put, uh, don't build your 
transactions that happen a lot on Ethereum because you're going to bleed everyone with gas fees. So from my point of view, playing the games, gas fees is the biggest consideration. The second consideration for me is, do I already have funds there? So am I going to have to go through a lot of effort bridging? Um, I've opened up a bit now about which chains I'll play on because I've got funds kind of across multiple chains, but there's still chains that I've barely anything on, like Cardano. I've got one, two assets on, and I don't have anything there. So if you're building on that chain, you're going to have to really sell your game to me to bother my ass to go and put anything on that chain. And I think that's a problem that we see for some games is that they pick a obscure chain. They might have a good reason for picking that obscure chain, but you're now having to market your game and market the chain, which kind of doubles up your costs of marketing. And I think for a lot of these games that are already on tight budget and marketing's normally the first thing that gets the you know the budget cut on. I don't think it's a good idea to also be having to try and sell someone on a chain. So I think you're best going where the games already are. Yeah, and I think I think you raise a really good point because I think that that decision you're having to make, like as you, and you mentioned, you have to market the chain, you have to market the game. And I think that's also a symptom of the lack of current interoperability between chains as well, because the siloed nature of a chain meaning means that you have users have to try and get assets onto that chain to use them on the chain. So you've got to market the chain to get the users and get the assets over. And then you've got to also market your your game. Whereas if you had that particular game on, say, a Cardano, but you could use smart contract verification where an NFT holder on, on Solana could still use it in the game, then that may go some way to you be able to just market the game no matter what chain that user is on, even though your your game is on, on Cardano. Obviously, then you come up with wallet restrictions. You know, what wallet are you going to actually be able to use? You know, because the wallet itself has to be interoperable across chain as well. So there's all these different things that come into play. But what are some of the other, and I think you raised some really good points, and it's one we hear a lot in terms of the cost of transaction. Extreme, yeah, extremely important. Uh, where the games already are, because where the games are, you've got gamers. What are some of the other factors, maybe from some of the other guests as well, that that uh, impact your decision when you're choosing to build on a particular chain? Hey, everyone. It's hard to hear me good. Yep. Yep. We can hear you perfectly. Thank you. So, I'm first time uh, joining the space through my laptop, so that's why I'm asking. Um, so I collected all the questions you already asked, and now I will try to... Uh, to uh, answer them very short. Uh, I will start with the multi-chain uh, for games and why it's important, from my opinion. So I'm a user of uh, Mac OS computer. So usually most of the games that, uh, uh, that, have, that studios are building are not, uh, are not accessible for, for my computer, and I don't play them. but. Maybe if I if these games were uh, accessible for Mac OS as well, I was one of the players. So and I think it's a very big problem for uh, for Web3 gaming that that studios and uh, projects are trying to make a big target on one chain, and they uh, in this case they don't get all the uh, gamers they can. Uh, from my opinion, I think the blockchain uh, should be a technical layer for, for the game and it should be optional. 
So what gives blockchain to, to the players? It gives them that the game's going fair. It gives them an opportunity to own all their assets. And what else? I, I'm not sure. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about that to make to make the games better with Web3, not to make them more complete. And uh, in this case, I think the user experience should be as smooth as possible. And if I'm not a Web3 person or I have a BNB wallet, I'm, I'm not sure, or I don't know, Solana wallet, it's not, it shouldn't be the factor that I couldn't join the game if I don't have another chain wallet. So from my opinion, how could it be collaborative for, for multi-chain? How, and how do we re release it in, in our game, in Petabots? Uh, firstly, we were launched on Polygon chain. Uh, our alpha version was launched on Polygon, is launched on Polygon chain. And uh, I, will, uh, I will answer the second question, why, how we cho choose the blockchain. We choose it by the amount of uh, target users on the chain and the support the chain can provide in marketing and so on. So that was one of our um, main, uh, main de decision-making points that made us to, to build on Polygon firstly. And the second one was uh, existential support we can get as well, because, uh, for example, at, at that point, it was the raise of, it was the launch of Magic Eden on Polygon chain, and we decided to to start cooperation with them and do the NFT launch there. And I think it was a cool opportunity as well. Uh, but for now, what we're doing with the better release, uh, we're preparing the game to be whole multi-chain. So, uh, and it's not too, I, for our game, it's not too hard to do because uh, what give what, what we do in blockchain is that we give the opportunity to to own assets. And if you own assets on uh, Polygon or on Layer One, on Avalanche, um, Solana, and other things, what we need to do is to add uh, the techniques that players can log in with the wallet, and the NFTs will be shown there uh, as an assets and uh, they can play each against each other. And in, in, in our um, technical way, it's not too hard to do. And I, from my point, I recommend to do it, but even to give the opportunity for web users, for just gamers to join the game with Google account, to join the game with email, with a simple login, to buy the assets with Fiat, and if they want to own it. If they don't want to do it, if they don't see any value for them, they can just play the game. And I think it's very honest for the players because they can choose if they want to go deeper with Web3 or they don't need it. Because there are a lot of 13, 15, 16 years old and even... So uh, what is like the segment of Web3? It's people from around 19, to 40 who can use Web3. But people who are under 18 and who are older than 40, they usually don't know how to use like uh, Web3. I, I take the major of the people. 
and we should give as as games as game studios we should give the opportunity for them to even don't go deep in it yeah because they just want to spend their time and they yeah and don't it. even yeah and, and and it shouldn't interrupt your the enjoy your 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 experience right and, and this learning curve that you have to learn because now we we are interacting with rev3 about wallets and 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 what i'm interested in for some of the speakers to ask is that it kind of like, and I've heard a couple of speakers talk about the simplification of this user experience, the seamless nature of, okay, I'm playing a game. I don't care whether it's Web 3 or Web 2, but, hey, somehow, how, now I'm getting these extra things that I can actually own my asset and I can move that asset, I can sell that asset. That's cool. But this seems like this seems like logical stuff. Is This this seems to me like how long is this conversation going on? And I suppose my question is why have we not – created solutions yet why, why are we still talking about what we should be doing and we haven't yet done these things what, what what's we have yeah. I, I i would I like gotta, to stop, stop in too we, yeah please and yeah. share, oh, share for doing it please oh, no, go on. right yeah i'll jump in after you yeah go on cheers man look i was just gonna say like uh i i feel like i uh i didn't want to make it as as shilly but like for, for all the games here, uh, this is something that I love sharing and it's, it's very like, it's more of like us being, being a big bro of sorts. Like we've, we actually topped the charts on Dapp Radar for a number of categories, which obviously, as we know, is like highest on-chain activity uh, in specific different ranks. Uh, and 99%, so we've actually got 300,000 downloads of the gaming platform uh, and 99% of all our downloads are all Web2 natives that have no idea we run on Web3 tech. Excellent. So what, what, what I was going to say was like, like the, these are solutions that have already been built. We do know of a number of other people that have done it. It sounds like uh, Cyber, Cyber League was about to say the same thing, but like, I feel like that, that there's, there's definitely solutions that exist. And like us, for instance, we, we are, uh, you know, we, we're pretty much like what, what we think of what we're doing is pretty much, we, we are the epitome of mass adoption happening right now right? Because that's what everyone in this space has been talking about for the last couple of years, right? All through that last sort of like bull or through the last bear that we've just been through, like everyone's talking about, oh, we need to make gaming options. Oh, sorry, we need to make blockchain more seamless. We need to create that user experience. They shouldn't have to realize that they're, they're actually, you know, they're using this specific tech. And I love giving this example because this example, like I think speaks volumes for how every developer needs to be thinking, right? So, gamers don't care about the tech full stop right like some people some of them not some of them sorry might but most of them don't just like the everyday shopper when they go to amazon and they want to buy toothbrush and toothpaste gonna keep this real simple right that amazon doesn't that like the the user just wants to get in there buy their toothbrush and toothbrush they want to pay with their credit card and they want to leave they don't care about how many transactions per second the credit card does they don't care about what chain that that what CMS Amazon is like sitting on. They don't care about the courier company that they've used to deliver them the product. They just want to, they want the baby without the labor pains. If that, if you understand that analogy, right. And that's, I feel like what we need to be doing in this space. Right. And we, we've already started doing that. And we're proud to say that we have, and I feel like every developer just has to start doing it. Like you just said, spark, like enough with that. We should be doing this. Or we, we're going to like, just get it done, release it, get, get, get on that chain. Right. Like, one of those questions before was like, what chain selection, what, what's your chain selection as a, as a, uh, as a builder, right? Like my advice to builders would be that like, provided that you get all the fundamentals out of the way, which is what Gaspo talked about before, like, you know, 
uh, gas fees, uh, in terms of like all the other features that you can build into your game, provided that you have those fundamentals, choose a chain that has evangelists waiting there to play your game. Choose a chain that is as like frictionless as possible in terms of being able to grow that uh, community, that initial community that gets you your evangelists that you can then go out to market with and, and then just push out because majority of the builders in this space, they don't have that budget, right? So that's honestly my opinion. Just start doing it. Look at solutions that already exist. There are logins with emails that effectively create wallets in games. So that web tool everyday gamers don't need to do it. Like, I feel like that's what we need to be looking at. And, and so, can I just, anyway, yeah, Cyberlake. Can we, can, we, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, can we expand on that? Because I think what everyone's interested to hear is that you mentioned, and I'm interested from yourself and anyone else, is what are the what are the specific use cases? Give us the examples of when you say we're, we're, we're creating a seamless experience, what are you doing? Well, you know, so the login. That, that's a, that's a specific example. What's what? What are you guys doing? What is everyone doing to make that experience seamless? I think it's even in like the language that you use, right? Like it's so the the tech already exists, right? Like we know for ex, we know for example, I, I can't recall the name of it right now, and there's there's multiple options that you can literally log in uh, to an account with your Google account, and then on the back end, there's an, there's a wallet that's automatically created. Like I think on our platform, we're using Venly. Uh, but there's a number of different options out there, right? Like that's one option. The second thing would be to like it's just the language that you use. So, for instance, uh, on our platform, we don't we don't talk we don't use any of the buzzwords that freak everyone out, right? Like because we know through through news, through talking to family and friends, whenever you mention the word NFT or you mention Web three or blockchain, it, it there's a stigma to a lot of those things because of all the bad actors in the space, right? So we like. The, the best way to be able to like sell what you're so passionate about, which is this blockchain space to people, is to just describe the the asset by the function that it serves, not what like not what it is, right? So, so what I mean by that, it's like, oh, you can you can buy this digital gaming asset and use it as a weapon in this game, as opposed to saying, hey, buy this NFT and then try to explain whatever else it is then. Like just changing the language. Like so for for us, for instance, we don't use NFT on the platform. We don't use that word. We use DGA, digital gaming asset. And just, just the, the twist of that word all of a sudden allows us to expose ourselves to hundreds of thousands of, of everyday gamers that all of a sudden don't, don't now then just not exposed to it. They're using the same exact asset that you would have built yes. or that we have built already. It's just a different language. And I feel like that's at, the language we use is as important as the 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 current use cases that exist. I, I think that's, guys, please expand on those on those use cases. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because, and I think whether it's gaming, whether it's DeFi, whether it's whatever, I think if we all hark back to our first experience in crypto blockchain, there was a language that we had to learn to understand what the hell everyone was talking about, right? So I think that's. I think you really, and you know, this is probably showing my age. No one really cares what a flux capacitor does, right? Back to the future. I just, it, it, it basically helps you go back in time, right? So that's, you know, we, we, I think you bring up a really good point about the language that we're using, making it familiar, making it understandable, talking about what it does, not what it is. Um, anyone else want to jump in there as well with maybe some examples of what they're doing within Web3? to to bridge that gap right to make it a little bit more familiar a bit more a bit more easy for potential web 2 gamers to come and use this this new technology 
Yo, what's up? Uh, JRP here, uh, an advisor for a variety of different games. Also starting up uh, RevGG, which is an influencer kind of uh, campaign management tool, and, and as well as uh, running my own community, Web3 Gaming Group. We have a first virtual event today, if anyone wants to join. Um, I think when it comes down to, I guess, trying to onboard people, in my opinion, I, I don't think that we need to make it harder than it needs to be. And I say that to say that getting onboarded into WoW or League of Legends is a big lift. And the way that most people do it is having a friend in uh, that ecosystem already. Uh, I think, you know, Ronin specifically has proved that you can onboard individuals without really kind of making it, I guess, totally abstracted away. Um, you know, the, the DGA makes a lot of sense. I think we're going to see a lot of that experimentation kind of coming up, you know, soon and obviously starting now. But I don't think that it's necessary to kind of really push to this mass adoption that we're all thinking about. Uh, I think that it's here. Uh, we've seen it with NFL rivals already with the 3 million uh, downloads on the iOS store and um, kind of getting, I think, 15% of their revenue uh, via the secondary market. It, it, it can happen already. I think at this point, it's really, you know, what are the experiences that we're going to be providing gamers? Is it better than the current experiences that they have? And People are excited for it. I obviously think that there's some things that we need to chat about, like the bridging and, and kind of everything more on the back end. But when it comes to just having like a really simple, easy system, if you haven't used a Ronin wallet, it's really easy to use. And, you know, I, I think anybody can use it. Again, they proved that, right? Um, so, I, I, yeah, again, I don't think it needs to be super um, overthought or, or kind of um, complicated, uh, and I think it's it's here already. I think we just need to kind of produce uh, those experiences, and everyone's you know taking its own uh, approach to that, right? I'm interested, maybe, to continue the conversation with, um, you know, what what scenario does a does a uh, uh, maybe like it at like an EA Sports or or a you know um, a, a Ubisoft start you know really building in Web three is is that ever going to happen and and if it did happen what kind of scenario would that look like? Well, what needs to happen? I reckon they acquire. Yeah. Wouldn't they acquire someone? Like, okay. I don't know. JRP, you go for it, brother. I've been talking too much. <laughs> yeah, got you. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's again. I think it's here already. I, I, I mean, I, they're they're looking into it uh, already. Uh, I think that there's a whole bunch of major IP, specifically in Asia, that is already building in the space. Um, I don't think that the question is rather when are they going to launch their games. Like this is something that I don't see anybody talking about. On Thursday, Nightcrow is going to have their pre-registration open. Nitro has made what was making two point one million dollars every single day the first two weeks that it launched in the in in, in the app store. Um, this is going to be launched on WeMix. It's launching again pre-registration on Thursday, and it's going to go global Q1. That's it's going to be huge already. Like WeMix for one has three hundred thousand daily active users. It's I want it right on their website. Their their other game that is actually really popular is uh, Mirror Four, I believe. So again, I think it's here. I think we're going to see the same thing that happened when we turned to free to play, which was you know pay to play or, or at least the, the console wars. Right? Was hey, you know, mobile's not really going to do anything. We're not going to really care about it. Uh, and then some of them jumped in, and, but now we see you know people like Zynga obviously taking over the market and now mobile gaming makes up for, what is it, like 60% of the total gaming revenue in the space, right? So 
I think we're going to see a very similar shift, in my opinion. I think now brands and games and, and you know, IP and studios are much more uh, efficient and effective when it comes to uh, kind of essentially keeping their market share and, and being competitive and, and kind of trying new things. We obviously see that with Zynga, right, with uh, Army of Tactics. I mean, it, that's Zynga. Uh, you know, what, what else do you want to know there, right? I, I think, you know, again, people are just experimenting with, what is the best thing that's going to work and no one really knows that and you know i give huge props to the ronin team because to bring uh you know pixels daily active users from 10k to 150 is no joke like that is you know you have community and you want uh users you know there you go perfect it's, it's good to go um i think we need more of that uh, i see other things like uh treasure dow doing a really great job um, um, a couple, like Beam is doing a great job as well. Scale is starting to do that. Uh, I think we need more ecosystem plays essentially. And But again, it's coming in tier. I think we're just waiting on those games. And so then maybe um, I'll put this question out um, to the guests as well, is that let's say, you know, these big players start to come into the Web3 space. What happens to the existing Web3 gaming developers? What happens to... The smaller studios or what happens to you know the, these the, the teams that are building these games what happens when the big boys come in to quickly add on i i think that web3 gives people the opportunity gamers specifically the opportunity to give power back to the studio if they don't like a game they sell their asset and now the game goes to shit but if they love a game, whether it's indie or not, they're going to invest both their time and, and money. I mean, today you see things with like, uh, you know, FIFA, MLB, they release the same shit every single year. Like gamers don't like that. I mean, gamers right now are, are so bored. They want new experiences. And I think even if these big major studios come in, I personally think that they're going to have to invest into these smaller studios. Uh, they're going to have to either buy them up or the smaller studios figure it out on themselves and create a community that's really, really tight knit and it's going to take them, you know, ultimately to be sustainable. I know already of game developers who literally created their game like six months ago and now are living, like their whole entire paycheck is coming from just doing live ops now. And, and that's an indie game dev. Like there's a lot of opportunities. It doesn't have to be, hey, who's gonna be number one and win millions? That probably will always be a big company, but there's gonna be so much more, I think, diversity that we don't see today in the market. If you're a small game studio wanting to launch on console or mobile, you can't. It's kind of impossible. But that changes with Web3. Yeah, interesting. I, I'm less optimistic. Well, no, not optimistic, probably the wrong word. I think it will just be the same as in traditional gaming. I think the big boys will come in. They'll eat plenty of people's lunch. Plenty of people get pushed out. There will be more opportunity for indie studios to survive because it provides additional streams of revenue. But I don't think Web3 changes their dynamic, not really. Yeah, and I think that's interesting um, to have those opposing views because what then maybe the question is, if it does change the landscape, what is it about Web3 that makes it a different scenario to Web2 where you have these major players dominating the market? Why does Web3 provide a more, I suppose, decentralized opportunity for gaming studios to survive i mean what is the what is the difference if if that is the case if, if, if that's people's belief what is why is web3 so a different environment for that to take place 
I reckon it's psychological. <clears throat> so uh, the whole point of decentralization is like, you know, I, I think in terms of like a, when, when a project launches in Web3, and this is, this is coming from a few years of being on the ground seeing it, is there is a genuine thirst for people who invest to be as close as possible to the person who f- who's founded or, or who's created the project. And I think what it is, it, like it brings about that accessibility and like one of our core basic principles as a human is, is significance. We like to feel a piece of significance and every person has a level or, or, or a way that they receive that, right? If it's like uh, intrinsic, extrinsic from family, friends, whatever it is. And so I think what decentralized well, Web3 does is it gives people a way to just get that access that they wouldn't usually get, right? And and I think that's why the communities are so strong because then all of a sudden, like, it, and I keep saying this word because of how important this is, and and like I I know this this is important because it, it works every time. Is it's evangelism, right? Like every time you every time a project comes into Web three, that they have to realize it's like the community that is the focus, right? And that's why a lot of projects don't necessarily do so well is because they lack that focus on on community and so why i think it's super important for gaming projects to just come in and and like why there's going to be a sort of like a continued existence for uh opportunity in terms of indie projects is because that exists and people can't get that with the big big gaming uh like sorry uh, like i guess like your activisions or your zingers like like people (laughs) it's it's kind of weird actually for, for any of the speakers right now i'd love to I'm genuinely curious, like, do you guys share the same uh, observation in that most people sort of like in the space despise big web two companies coming into the space? Like they generally don't do too well. Have you guys seen that? Like I've actually witnessed that on a number of accounts where where big uh, web two businesses don't actually get the right traction because of the reasons that I've just talked about. Has anyone else seen that before? Crickets. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, what, is, I might, this what, is... what I might build on what you mentioned there is, would it be a fair statement to say that while potentially maybe Web3 Gaming currently aren't building better games than Web2, but they are building better communities than Web2? Yeah, I think that's what it is, Spark. Like, I, I feel like that's what what exactly what I'm trying to say. Like, it's that <clears throat> that whole idea of significance that people can actually be proud of something. They wear it as a as a badge of honor, they go ahead and they become that evangelist. They tell their friends and family, they, they go ahead and they tweet about it. They jump on spaces, they support, they react to announcements. They do all the things that is basically just really strong community building. Like in comparison of an analogy, you could think about it as like cr- what creator economies are in big web two games. That's kind of like what indie gamers are doing based like, I guess on ground level when it comes to web three. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's, I guess why it, was a JRP what you said? Like why why there's still opportunity for people to like actually make a living out of uh, out of just creating a game? I think it's and, I think that's the opportunity there. And maybe then let me ask this then of of, of maybe a, a, um, any of the other guests is it uh, uh, is the ability to build a better community based on the fact because there's financial incentive? Are we, uh, it, is Web three building a better community because 
Why are they doing it? Is that because there's financial incentive to be evangelist? Um, where does that come into play in terms of community building? I, I think so just like quickly. Step in here. Oh. Oh, Thank you. Um, Jeffrey Monis, uh, co-founder of Cyberlete. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to chime in on. Uh, first is the multi-chain. It's, uh, but I want to first I uh, direct uh, the, this norm this question that you did. Um, people are like like the experience right now for people to come in and do cross-chain stuff is really tough. So as we're all as developers building on Ethereum, building on Solana, building on here, it confuses the experience of the gamer. That that is why the gamers don't like it. It's because now they have like 17 different other locations that they got to keep track of. When right now they're just keeping track of Steam or Battle.net, they don't have to do much else. So we have to keep that experience kind of in line with what they're used to. It's kind of like don't fix what's broken or don't fix what's not broken type of thing. Um, and with the multi-chain part, there's, there are enhancements in these areas. Um, for instance, Cyberleap builds with Constellation Network and they're a JVM, a Java virtual machine comparable. And that allows us to plug into legacy machines and legacy networks and able to do multiple crazy different things that are different than other chains. There's a lot of education there. I don't want to spend a lot of time um, talking about that, but Toot Constellation Network. Um, so there's some experience that we have to like come in. So what, what are we doing or what, what should we be doing different? I really like the what gaming had said about um, you know, account abstraction, meaning making an email their account, their smart like a smart account with a wallet attached. That is very much what's needed. I think there's Immutable X and some other uh, reputable things out there uh, you can plug in. There's um, 4337 for Ethereum for account abstraction, the EIP that's being created. There's some uh, development out there. So there is crazy things coming out. We as developers have to utilize these things and be aware of them. And if we can create this experience where people are coming in and utilizing it in a multi-chain environment, this interoperability conversation, it, it like for instance, with Constellation Network, we get a state channel, a metagraph, that is like, a, it's a full blockchain layer one. So we get our own blockchain layer one that has our own, anything we want with it. We get to create it in, in a Java environment. So now this opens a whole different dynamic to what we build as a business on our layer one blockchain that goes into their DAG blockchain as an index. What we're doing different is we're indexing data. As we, uh, as people are utilizing our platform, we're rewarding users, whether they're casually playing a game or professionally playing the game and giving these tools to the game developers and the tournament organizers uh, as like an infrastructure so we can help them build the communities and secure the communities to stop this fragmentation, meaning segmentation of all the games, including so the segmentation of all the blockchains. When the tech is literally whatever the game developer chooses, we have to build tools that connect everything. And instead of like bridging everything yes. for the user, we bridge everything type of thing. No, and I think you bring up build a real a really good point because what does what does a world where everyone every everything is connected like where, where every chain is connected you've got web two web two web three connection so we have almost like this interchain experience where yes there might be multiple blockchains existing but it's it's like one environment 
I mean, is 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 that the utopia? Is that is that where if that's achieved, then it's game over? I wouldn't say game over. I would just say the experience will be a lot more fluent and the flow would be more fluent. And the users that want to trade or own their token because they understand what's going on, that they can own a piece of what's going on, then they're going to do that. Why 90% of people are just going to play the game. So it depends on who you're getting in as a customer, but most people just want to go home, play their game in a cheat free environment, not get hacked essentially. Like if you're playing counter-strike and then at the same time, just get rewarded and have a good time. Yeah. And I think, um, and maybe let's explore that a little bit, maybe for, for, for maybe some of the listeners that maybe aren't, too aware of what is what are the advantages for gamers um, that Web3 brings in terms of the experience, right? But, but let's take it back to basics. And so maybe if we can hear from some of the th- from the guests on what are what are the advantages in terms of the gaming experience that Web3 brings that Web2 doesn't currently deliver? If, if maybe some of some some guests can maybe speak on that a little bit. Happy to jump in. Um, so I think like, I think a key one is ownership, right? Something that is probably the obvious one. Uh, something that, for, okay, if we're bringing it back to basics in terms of explanation, the, what, what Web3 brings that Web2 doesn't is that you can go ahead and buy, let's use the example of a Fortnite skin. Uh, in a Web2 sense, you pay, you pay for V bucks, you then go ahead and you buy a skin and then you basically that, that's it you you have the skin in the game if you log out of the game you can't really do anything else with it, it only exists in the game if your xbox or your playstation breaks or whatever that's it it's basically just money that you once spent that exists in that game alone right on the web3 aspect what what you have is ownership so you actually can buy that skin say for example just in another game um, you then have the ownership over that and through a transposable or, or like interoperability, sorry, I should say interoperability, uh, you would then be able to use that same skin in other games, right? So for example, on Gaiman, there's a there's a skin right now that you can buy. Uh, it's a transposable skin and it's a, so it's a sword in Minecraft on the platform. And then on the other, uh, like in, in the other game, GTA 5, it becomes a skin on one of the cards and that's known as a transposable NFT. Uh, and then having the interoperability, right? Like there's a there's a number of ways that it's interoperable. It's interoperable across games. It's interoperable across chains, right? Uh, so I think that's something that then it's positive because then if you if you're done with the skin and you're over it, and maybe even in the future you want to like maybe get a bit of a, a let's call it a rebate, right? That's probably the best way to explain it, or or just a bit of money back on it, or even some profit on it. You're able to then go ahead and take that same skin that you bought or that NFT, whatever it is that you want to call it, DGA. <laughs> let's get out, let's get rid of the buzzwords, but you can take that same DGA and you, and you can go ahead and you can sell it on, on a marketplace, right? To someone else that wants to buy it. And as a result, then you get that money back and that's where that ownership comes in. And that's decentralization, right? That's, that, that's a web two is the centralization. Your money goes to the big, big company like that, that created the game. Decentralization means like you actually have the power to then uh, have ownership over it and and on sell it and make money out of it or make money back on it. And, and I think that's and that's great. Thanks for explaining that because I think and and 
I think it's probably obvious to a few of us that have been in the space for a while, but for those who haven't, when, while we're talking about Web3, when, when, when we've got Web2, what are the differences there? And I think we just touch on a point and I'm just going to take a little moment to talk about maybe something we're doing at Layer One X. So and you mentioned that kind of selling of the of the of the gaming on a uh, um, you know asset on a marketplace. So one thing that the interoperability of Layer One X that allow, uh, allows for is the smart contract interaction cross chain. So EVM, non EVM, no matter what chain is, we connect more and more chains will be able to do this. But one thing that we're we're bringing out in the next couple of months is a marketplace which will allow you to take that NFT, place it for sale in a market in the L1X marketplace, but at the same time select other marketplaces that you wish to sell the NFT for at the same time. So you might go in there and, and place it in L1X, you might place it on OpenSea, you might place it on Magic Eden, you might place it on Blur.io, and now you have access to potential buyers across multiple different chains and you know your 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 the, the access to liquidity is now exponential because of the interoperability and and the reason I say that is just just another use case that interoperability provides to the gaming experience maybe near the end of the gaming experience where you're actually selling an asset um any, anyone else that and I know I'm conscious of, you know, maybe we've got a little bit more shy speakers in the audience here. We've, I know we've got Alderun, we've got Cyberlet, we've, we've got uh, Peter Boats, uh, uh, Peter Boats, uh, we've got Hypermove. Any any of you guys want to chime in on anything that we've been speaking about and maybe share some of your opinions as well? Uh, and we've also got Rashmi as well. So please chime in, whether it's a topic we just talked about or anything that we've covered already that maybe you haven't had a chance to speak. Hey, uh, this is Rashmi uh, from Zeta. So um, I think uh, we all are always talking about when we come to Web3, the last question, which is say, what's the advantage of Web3 when it comes to games? Uh, we all talk about the ownership of it and people can make money, right? But I think we are selling Web3 short by saying only the uh, assets in general. I, that, that's one of the key factors. But I think there are a lot of things out there which is which is something which Web3 can uh, is bringing in and we are not yet uh, using it in the right way. Uh, so when I think of Web3 Gaming, I think of Web3 Gaming as five different aspects of it. Number one is player profile on-chain. Uh, the player profile on-chain essentially enables a, a player to go from uh, game A to game B or game C and carrying their profile from game A to game B with without any uh, verification required, and that using that profile in the second game from there on. Uh, uh, and this can be useful in so many different games that we cannot even think of, including hyper-casual and casual games. So, uh, and that depends on the game developers, obviously, to uh, integrate those kind of uh, designs into the game, but it becomes a possibility right now with Web3, which was not possible earlier. So let's say I am playing a hyper-casual game. I'm a, uh, I'm a uh, let's say puzzle games, and I, I am on the higher level of puzzle solving. And for a certain fee or uh, by importing my profile, I don't have to start a new puzzle game from level one, which is like really easy and just drags my time. I can start probably from a level 100 or so. And I'm giving some example on my, uh, in general. Sorry? No, no, I think, I think you raise an extremely important point. It's because... Um, obviously, you can you can capture this gaming profile. You can build out your gaming profile. You can have that as you as you experience different games. That especially with interoperability, because 
if you can take that gaming profile and it's compatible and that data is compatible cross-chain, then whether you're playing a game on Polygon or Solana or whatever the chain is, um, then your 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 Web3 data or your 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 the data collected while you're playing these games in terms of maybe your skill level, your preferences can be collected and then customized maybe with the next game you go to. So um, I, I really like that point because then, as you say, if, 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 I, if I've got an experience across three different first-person shooter games and I go into a new per, uh, first-person shooter game, but I, my, the data collected through my activity shows that I'm an expert, then why start me at beginner? You know, um, because exactly, exactly. Yes. So, but like I said, there are like five different points. This is just part part one, right? Part two, we already talked talked about, which is the game assets on chain, and we all talk about how the game assets on chain is un, uh, unlocking us to value, maybe sell the assets, maybe own the assets, whatever, right? So, I'll not touch uh, um, much about that. The game assets on chain. I, I'll talk about the next factor when it comes to uh, Web three gaming. It is the game events on chain, or game transaction, or the or the what we call as the state on chain, right? Now this is a very few. Uh, uh, this is not very uh, much uh, tapped into market yet, but I believe this has become very big. Uh, one of the biggest challenges of gaming is the use of bots and the use uh, and the cheats. Uh, or frauds that are coming inside the game. So if it if you play a game uh, in a competitive space, uh, it's very difficult to find out who the bots are, who the uh, is someone is uh, using hacks. And I believe that once the game state or the game events on chain are coming, so that solves these problems to a large extent. Now, in Web two, there was very few games which are having a monetary incentive out there. Hence, the target of bots were still there, but it was limited. But as the Web3 is very, very uh, tuned or uh, coupled with monetary incentives, so by design, it would be getting more and more hit by bots and hackers and, and uh, cheaters to essentially to game the system and try to take an uh, unfair advantage of the other players. Now, this essentially becomes very, very key and important to essentially uh, analyze the game data and find out or weed out the bad actors from the system in a systematic way. And I believe there is with uh, blockchain uh, building uh, or, or the data on chain, uh, building an immutable log of what is what supplier is building across different games. And at the same time, using AI and advanced analytical tools, you can weed out these bad actors. I'm not talking about today, maybe two years, three years down the line, we would see these kind of systems coming up. And again, this becomes more and more uh, possible with Web3 uh, technologies, with uh, with blockchain. Uh, without that, this would not be possible. Uh, and and th there are a lot many use cases from here. I'm just uh, keeping short of myself saying, like, okay, what are the other possibilities uh, to do uh, when the, these game event data has come in? And this is actually our prime focus as Web Zeta, uh, saying that how can this game events become a chain itself and and uh, kind of put it out to public. But this is also one of the key areas uh, to look at. Um, the, the, then there are two other points, uh, which are uh, the game transactions. I think the transactions, again, we have seen some analytics tools uh, using transactions and getting analytics on there, which are the uh, 
so so it essentially comes down to the factor that if a game is claiming i have got a million active users you can see those million active users from the transactions and the game events and everything out there so there is no ambiguity on the popularity or the data of the games it actually transparent uh, and open for everyone to uh, see that and the fifth one which is which is the most difficult part of web3 gaming is actually the game logic on chain now uh, i i i think proof of play is building uh, the game uh, where they are having the pirate nations and they are having game logic on chain and even for a game like proof of nation they have like 50 to 100 different contracts to write to essentially put that game logic on chain it's not easy to build a uh, a game logic on chain per se but i i think it will take us few years to get there and definitely the game uh, developers or designers who are yet to know what what is blockchain to build 50 different or 100 different contracts to make a gameplay uh, work is not going to be easy uh, but when that happens it essentially opens up another area or another uh, complete uh, uh, place where we would see mods coming out or extensions of game getting built by other developers where it becomes just seamless of game development and platforms after platforms will be coming in there but i think we are still few 5 to 10 years away from that part if i have to put it that way no no i appreciate all those points i think you've raised some really and and i think it gives a great um insight into for everyone listening actually into the breadth of opportunities that web3 can provide that to the gaming experience that currently don't isn't provided at a web2 level. I think that's great. Now I appreciate those comments. Um I'm going to change change it up a little bit here just because this is this has been a, a you know a hot topic um across blockchain space is um does uh does a bitcoin ETF approval impact web3 gaming and if so how? I'll be short here my answer is doesn't. Okay, yep. Anyone else got any any different thoughts? Does a web Bitcoin ETF approval impact web3 gaming and if so how? Well, I can go on this briefly. Um just as a way of introduction, I'm Matt. I run uh, Call of Void 18 years in web2 games and uh, now doing a web3 game. And I do think that it actually has um potentially a chilling effect if it doesn't get approved on people who are like doing the whole kickstarter via web3 that we've seen a lot of in the games industry which is basically it's like star citizen but worse uh, it's essentially this whole thing of like you put your game you put your token out there you put it's like a flashy video you don't make any gameplay and then everything's based on the value if the ETF does not get approved then there's going to be a lot of sour thoughts towards gaming there's going to be a lot of people who minted like uh, terribly drawn pfps that are going to suffer on this and i do think that generally it's bad for the space if yet again the the us government seems to attack the space in general because a lot of people like i i had some really good points from rashmi there like that people will bot games for example if there's money involved no one in mobile has that problem with skill games because it's the audience i mean a lot of us in web3 we go up against an educated audience we go into rpg where everyone's a scammer and then we 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 have that trouble so anything financial is going to affect us in general and i i do think that uh, it won't affect us 
in that, yes, we can still build, yes, we can do that, but it might have a, a more chilling effect on the ecosystem, will there be more investment? Will there be people opening their wallets to actually put things into gaming? Because I think games live or die on the strength of the game itself. I mean, that's why we released our game demo to the community before we even, like, we haven't even, like, taken any money from our community. And this, I, before the game. I think it needs to happen that a lot of these games do need to die, but I don't think an ETF or crushing down on crypto is the way to do it. Thanks. No, no, thank, I appreciate the I appreciate the the insights as well. The, um, anyone else want to share any of their thoughts? Does a does a Bitcoin ETF approval ha or, or disapproval, I suppose, have an impact on Web three gaming, and if so, how? Okay, let me let me. Oh, so three XP. Are you wanting to? Yeah, sure. Uh, if yeah. I can, so. Uh, like we generally at the 3xp the entire team like we believe uh, with the etf approval we see a lot of legitimacy to the space and like you know a lot of the game studios who are actually trying to bridge web 2 and web 3 would get a big boost because you'd have a lot of i would say uh, vcs trying to deploy around people who are actually trying to bridge and even from a retail audience, right? We see gamers kind of starting to truly appreciate true financial uh, freedom that you know they can achieve when I would say their gaming assets are publicly, I would say, uh, publicly uh, more accepted. And we, I like, I personally see like chains like Ronin, Avalanche, and a few others who have a lot of these shelf-stable games with I would say a nice bridging narrative. Uh, actually getting more users and more validation from the market. So, and if the ETF doesn't get approved, you'd see a lot of these, uh, even small studios that are struggling to raise, right, uh, get, I would say, void of some of the other opportunities. So we as a team collectively are hoping for this ETF to kind of, you know, bring this new form of regula regulations as well as opportunities for a lot of us who are building. No, thank you, Three XP. I appreciate you sharing those thoughts on that. So let me let me um, bring it back to the topic, right? And, and and I might ask for personal experiences or experiences close to you. Can can the guests please share some? I whether they be they positive personal experiences with with interoperability or Web three gaming and interoperability, or any negative experiences with Web three gaming and interoperability, and potentially what they wear. In terms of whether it's your personal experience or it's an experience that you know of that someone's had, um, I, I'm interested to kind of bring it back to that topic and 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 what 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 is what's some of the good stuff that's happening that's happened to you out there or happened to people close to you? What's some maybe some of the stuff that's that's not so great where it's it's, it's it, it hasn't worked well? Um, I, I would just like trying. like to talk on a positive. Uh, oh, three XP, you go for it, brother. I'm I'd love to hear what you have to say. Sorry, stick it. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, just a positive, I would say, would be that, like, interoperability. I, I love uh, I love that NFTs can be transposable, like, across games. I think that's really cool. Like, I see that as a, a form of interoperability. And so, uh, for, like, to be able to, like, Gaiman, Gaiman was, I think, the first company in the world to make NFTs interoperable across, like, mainstream games, like GTA Five and Minecraft, which is pretty cool. Uh, and so, like, 
to see people actually using them, I think is like, it's, it's like, it's amazing. Like to see that adoption actually take place and, and watch people like, Oh shit. Like it's a sword here and it's a skin there. Like, uh, I, I talked on what was before just like the, the DGA that you can buy, but like, yeah, I think that's, that's exciting. Like I like seeing it all come to fruition. And I think it's, again, one of those things like, yeah, we, we've talked about it for so long. And then once you start to see it happen, it's, it's actually really exciting. Like I'm a gamer at heart. Uh, a bit of an old school gamer like RuneScape, Call of Duty, Age of Empires. Uh, if you're in the audience, you know who you are. We're the OGs. But <laughs> that that for me is exciting when I see it like kind of come into uh, other games and I, and I start to see it come to life. But that that for me is my positive. Three uh, XP, go for it. Like uh, just uh, trying to even uh, gauge this from the other panel, like. Uh, like I personally haven't been that fond of interoperability that is available yet because I would say uh, Blizzard spoiled me big time with the amount of web2 interoperability they have across their assets. So any of you like you know who feel left out because of it as well? Maybe talk a little yeah. bit about that. Talk a little bit about that at 3XP. What do you mean? What? What? How were you spoiled? What was the? What, what was the? The great thing about that interoperability—that's like me spending game, me spending my money at one title across a launcher allowed me to enjoy the same perk across a various, I would say, other titles. So if I was buying a character pack, maybe I was getting a gun tag or a gun buddy in some other game. If I was buying maybe a music pack, it was accessible to me across the titles. If I was buying a mount or if I was farming a mount. I could use a skin that was tied to that mount in some other game. So a lot of my actions were like, you know, positively incentivized across the entire ecosystem without even me recognizing me getting to know it and getting mm. little surprises every once in a while was actually a very fruitful experience. Yeah, no, no. Thank you for, for expanding on that. Anyone else want to share any 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 experiences, whether the, whether they be positive or negative, around that they've had with interoperability in Web three gaming? I'm I'm happy to go if you're happy to listen. Um, but yeah, I do think that interoperability in Web three gaming is one of the few things that gets us talking to other studios. Three um, XP is is definitely right that it's very easy to imagine that within your own ecosystem. I mean, it's something that, like, it's almost on by default for every game that you produce in the in this um, industry uh, with Web3, that you can be interoperable across your own ecosystem. But I do think it's really exciting when you get those conversations with, hey, how about, like, uh, let's put PFPs in our game or things like Nifty Island that got a lot of play on Twitter with uh, basically taking PFP projects that are making either terrible games or not making games and then actually giving a use to those goddamn expensive JPEGs. So I think there is some real some real pluses, interoperability. And I think one of the major pluses I've seen is it literally allows you to have conversations with other studios that you would never, ever even think to. Even people who are like kind of close competitors or in the space that in Web 2, you would just be like, nope, I am not even talking to these fellows. The, it's the kind of thing that I think going forward it allows us in the sort of in the smaller game dev community to essentially band together and create interoperability across our products and across our games that will actually stand up and say hey there's this ecosystem that we can use all of this stuff i think the one negative experience i've had is with chains chains can give you money like say polygon or imx and polygon they can be very 
capricious, like they're all pro gaming one year and then everything dries up the next and then suddenly they get Jonah Blake and they're going to do a whole thing with NFTs and gaming. And meanwhile, IMX is giving out grants like crazy. So I think the difference is the chains need to be more friendly because it's really fucking difficult to implement a new passporting system or a wallet system if you're a small dev. um, And especially if you have to actually rely on sort of Web3 devs, undocks devs, um, they're expensive, not necessarily always trustworthy. And I think that's the bad experience I've had with interoperability. Cross-chain is just a nightmare. Um, but I think we'll get there in the future. And I think there are so many things that are like interesting about this. Like, will these chains actually be able to handle proper volume? Like, I'm, I'm talking like Candy Crush volume. When, we, when I was working there at King, we had like 232 million active users a month. Do we have any conceivable chain in blockchain at the moment that could do that, let alone for an on-chain game? I'm just talking even the most basic services. Yeah, I think I think you bring up a, 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 a quite a few good points there, and and and, and thank you for sharing your, your own personal experience as well. I think um, one of the points that resonated with me at the beginning was the collaboration, right? The, 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 there's these interoperable relationships where it's creating a, a, an environment where you can work together with other studios, and I th- I think that's like if I can speak to Layer One X, that's the core of, of of what what we believe as well. We're not here to as a as a Layer One chain when we're not here to compete. We're here to unite with technology that can potentially unite not only chains, but unite projects to collaborate in that manner. And I think um, ultimately that really is the how we're going to grow, <laughs> how we're going to grow the the space. Well, one of the most important ways we can grow the space is through that collaboration without, you know, kind of this, 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 this double spend on resources and, and, and not actually working together. So, um, uh, and, and there's a few a few other really good points you brought up there. So look, look, I'm conscious of I'm conscious of time, and I'm conscious of of the speaker's time as well. So maybe two two questions, two two kind of general questions um, that I'll, I'll I'll get anyone to speak to. The first one is, um, what advice would you give? Sorry, I don't know if you can hear me. I just got rugged by Elon. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to drop the listener. Sure, sure, no problem. Um, two 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 final questions. The first one is. What advice would you give to Web3 gamers starting out now? You know, those guys that, have, that they've got an idea or, or, or they've already got, you know, an MEP um, and they're, they're starting out in the space and, 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 you know, from your own experience, what, what's some of the, if, if some of the guests can share, what's some of the advice that you would share with those people? Just, did you say Web3 game developers or gamers? Web3 game developers, please. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hey, this is uh, James Stolte from Cyberleak. Um, I think finding, you know, if you're developing a game, of course, you, finding the game that's going to have the least gas fees, basically, you know, finding the right tech stack for you. Like Jeff mentioned earlier, Constellation Networks, is a really great one because they use Java. They use JVM, and pretty much anyone can use JVM. Um, so just the details like that. Uh, look into each chain and see their their benefit and such. Um, I think the next thing I would say if you're coming in new to the Web three development space, um, just build. Don't don't get involved in 
the shenanigans that are going on in Web3. Just build your vision, build it out the way you want it, and talk about it. That's that's what you got to do. Um, so let me ask you this, because let's say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a brand new Web3 developer, and you just mentioned don't get involved in the shenanigans. Give me an example of a shenanigan I shouldn't be getting involved in. I wouldn't. So if Pepe the token comes to you and wants to partner, I wouldn't get involved with that. I think that's a really bad uh, thing is to get involved with some of these meme tone tokens. We've been approached by popular meme tokens and uh, basically influencers. And you, there'll be a lot of tempting things that get thrown your way. Um, but you really got to watch out for the end goal vision of how you want to be represented in the space. And uh, once you're in the space long enough, you see a lot of the mean things kind of go south or these influencer tokens go south. So just be really careful on what you get involved in. I think that's really good advice. I think have a clear vision, have a, have a plan on what you want to do. You're going to be tempted along the way with, you know, uh, these these conversations that you you'll have from other partners, but obviously double fact check whatever or, or double check that whatever the offer is, it still fits the vision and the plan that you have in terms of what you want to build. Anyone else want to share advice? Um, you know, if, if to to the to the new Web three gaming developers out there, any any kind of from your own experience, what advice would you would you give to them? Oh, yeah, I've got, I've got like tons of advice because we tried to do a Web3 marketing push. It was extremely expensive and it got us basically nothing apart from burning runway. Um, the problem with Web3 is the space is incredibly capricious. Like one day it's Sol, the next day it's Polygon. That might only last for a couple of seconds. Then it's AVAX, then it's something else. Then it's this influence, then it's that. And sometimes people will try to partner with you. They'll ask you a lot of questions then they've disappeared without trace like in a couple of minutes so i think the thing is is like it's definitely just build what you want do that and i would say try to own your own community from the start like try to build your own community from the start because building in public is a massive benefit like we use um our community to uh beta test the game and to do bug hunts and we reward them for that and all of that kind of good stuff and we take suggestions and all of that kind of stuff it's really, it's really difficult. If you get started and you're not a known name, um, there are too many flashy things on offer. And the timing, you can basically be like trying for one chain for a year, then you get dumped and then you go onto another chain. And then suddenly the chain you left is like crazy. You don't want to be a Frank D. Gods in this space. Just stick at what you're doing. Look at the things on the chains that support your project. Um, the functionality is more important. You can always do marketing web two way. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't know if I share the same sentiment, uh, mm, Matt. Yep. I, just to like play the tough man there. Uh, I think, so when I, when I was a, obviously everyone's been a web two person and then figured out web three and now we're apparently all web three people. <laughs> uh, I've been doing marketing like 10 years now and digital marketing, uh, I specialize in e-commerce, and then I moved into consulting with uh, with Web three and and was fortunate enough to have the skill set to be able to you know uh, be able to produce good results in Web three. And I think I see it from the other lens, which is like the optimistic view of like there that like it, you said that it was like a thing where 
the attention is like always shifting and always moving. I think if you know know what you're doing in this space, that doesn't matter it, because if you're good at grabbing attention, you can always be front of mind no matter what chain you're on. It doesn't doesn't actually matter. Like the the use of the example of like Frank the Gods, I, I've spoken to Frank a couple of times. He's he's a very smart guy. Like he he's like uh, <laughs> not on the same caliber or level, but he's like a like an Elon Musk of the space in that he's always got something that's newsworthy, right? And that's what allows him to stay at at the top of mind. And because he doesn't have a project that has a, any utility, it's just a PFP project. That's why he does those moves, and that's why he does those things. So my my advice is like if like Web3 is actually the best place to build community. I, I've been doing this a long time. I've like for, for the contents in, uh, context in terms of like the gravity of where this comes from. Like I've I've helped companies generate like over $90 million in, in e-commerce. And I say that super humbly. Uh, and so what I'm trying to say is that like I, I've never come across a better mechanism that builds community than an NFT collection because because of that evangelism that comes with it. So if you like my advice would be is that you just you find those those people in the space that have have an idea of like what they're talking about you see their track record and you always look at case studies and you have a look at those case studies and you see the performance that they got and if it if it all like lines up and it makes sense and you saw that they actually had a great result in terms of marketing and that's what you're after then then you then that's the people that you partner with so i think my advice is just do do your homework on people do your background on people make sure that you have genuine conversations and more times than not in this space, your gut instinct is the right one. Try not jump into FOMO and uh, try not be sold on like all the big buzzwords that some of these uh, marketeers <laughs> try to throw at you. Just like do your homework, figure it out, uh, speak to speak to the people that they're providing case studies on. Uh, and, and more times than not, like if you actually find the right people, you'll, you'll like the, the benefits far outweigh uh, the, the cons so yeah that's, that's and would you say would you say that helps because obviously with with more and more web3 games getting launched and more and more web3 gaming um, developers coming into the space there's more and more noise right and so are those tips that you think is that how you get above the noise as well because everyone's shouting about their project yeah um, like you know? it is it is because there's strategies that so it's like this is this is the thing and and <laughs> this is this is my like genuine advice is that it's just knowing the formula, right? And the formula changes only by about 20% every three months. It doesn't actually change as much as what you think. More times than not, the the same things actually tend to work time and time again. It's just, it's just that every time like, well, actually, actually, yeah. So from a new project's perspective, you might you might not understand that because you just see all these projects popping off. You're like, why the hell did that project pop off? They had no utility. They had nothing. The the founder didn't know what he was talking about, and and yet they did so. Like, why is that the case? More times than not, it's just because they're using these specific strategies that that just tend to work well in Web three. Like, you got to think of it like this. Like, we're we're in a very like okay. The world today, we're, we're like, it's like the goldfish age, right? Like attention on social media is, uh, I think, three seconds. That's the that's the golden rule, right? When it comes to creating content, capture people's attention in the first three seconds or in the first line. Even with email marketing, like the subject is like eighty percent of the whole email itself, but you got to get people to open. Or with the video, first three seconds, like like that's that's in normal, like the normal world, IRL, Web two. In Web three, it's shorter than that again. Like it's 
It's ridiculous, right? So it's just understanding that we live in a short attention economy in Web3, and it's, it's even shorter again. And there are strategies that work best with those types of people. Like hype, unfortunately, is, is the best way to push a project. Like there are plenty of projects that sit in the top 50 on coin market cap that are just vaporware, that like absolutely do nothing. Yet they're, yet they're a top 50 coin and they've garnered enough attention to pull enough liquidity into their project. That means that all of a sudden they're like one of the best projects, right? And that that's purely just because they like more times than not great at marketing as well as other fundamentals that they have with like different institutionals, whales, market makers, all the other things that come outside of that as well. But I'm, I'm talking from the marketing point of view here. So please don't think I'm being tunnel vision on this, but just from that marketing point of view, like, f- like hype is really what it is. And yes, those strategies just tend to, to work. So it's not as, it's not as difficult as what you think. Uh, if you guys do need recommendations, I, I have plenty of people that uh, I could, I could put the, put, like put towards you and like these are all good people like people that i are like my homies my mates and i know what they can do they're very talented i think that's generous and and if anyone wants to reach out and and take that advice i think that's great and i think so it's either know the formula or know someone who knows the formula right and then you can (laughs) yeah for real yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean um exactly exactly that point i wish i'd had you gaming uh because it was well gaming it was really it was really tough for us so um I, I would absolutely love to connect, and um, uh, thank you again for inviting us up into the space. I love, I love, love the collaboration happening on the space as well. So, look, final question um, for everybody, and please jump in um, uh, if you want to share your thoughts on this. For Web three gamers, the, the actual gamers, what does twenty twenty four hold? What's some of the cool stuff that you think is going to be happening this year for Web three gaming that you you or you're either speculating on or you know. Um, who would like to kind of share some of the things that would, you think that Web3 gamers can look forward to um, in 2024? Jumping in here, so I believe uh, Web3 gaming is going to uh, go through its first wave of standardization in 2024, wherein you would have a lot of, I would say, mature audiences coming a lot of games, I would say, work towards interoperability and real-world value. Because I believe a lot of new games, like even Gaiman right now, with the uh, ethos that has set in the market, it's more about value distribution than value concentration. So I believe a lot of real-world utility is up for grabs in 2024, at least for these games. I, I think you're 100 percent right, and um, I'm just about to pick up my daughter from preschool, so I'm gonna love you and leave you. Uh, but I do think that there is some really big things happening in this space. I I am absolutely amazed that Pocket Gamer, a uh, big uh, fest like games thing in London, mobile. There's only like 50 Web3 mobile games out at the moment. Only 50 out of 700,000 on the App Store, but it actually has Web3 and Metaverse in the title. Um, and it has a like a track for that. So I think the thing is that people are waking up, industry is waking up, they are slower. Um, and I do think that slowly we're going to see high quality products which won't rug people um, slowly starting to gain traction. Maybe outside of the echo chamber, maybe we won't know about them until people start bringing them into our echo chamber. But I think there's a lot of good moving and uh, Asia especially, it's going to be huge this year for gaming. 
Yep, definitely. Like uh, we personally see at least like uh, next uh, three biggest game uh, uh, easily setting up their audiences in Asia Pacific and Latin America. To be very honest. And don't fade Africa and Southeast Asia as well. Like if you look at the the fastest, um, just to use a finance term, CAC and the growth regions, like uh, they call them tier three countries in Web2 mobile marketing, which is really fucking horrible. Um, but these places are the places that are growing and they are also pro crypto. So I think a lot of people are wasting a lot of time and energy trying to convert hardcore gamers and hardcore gamers. When you throw in the word NFT to them, they turn into Greta Thunberg. Um, and say, you're destroying the environment, it's all a scam, it's blah, blah, blah. I think if you try for people who actually see the promise of this, like your Discord mods who are probably from Nigeria or all of those kind of people who actually use this on a day-to-day -day basis and they're cool with it. Like these are the people that are growing and their regions with more middle class, it's coming up. Everywhere is big. So I think, um, yeah, the future is now really. Excellent. Anyone else want to share their thoughts for 2024 in terms of Web3 gaming? I think it's just going to get, get better. Everything's going to get better. Models are going to be improved. Tokenomics should hopefully get better. Uh, I think you'll, you'll see more entertainment value coming out of games as opposed to just like those <laughs> Web3 standard games we saw like two years ago. Um, you know, they're going to be more than just a still picture on a screen. Uh, Axie Infinity. Oh, that was a <laughs> today. Uh, like, there's just yeah, better better entertainment. I think is what we're going to see, and that's that's what we want, right? We're we're in games. Uh, people are there to enjoy themselves. So, looking forward to that. Excellent. And if I could chuck in uh, maybe two cents from the layer one X, X perspective. So, in terms of how what we're trying to do and impacting, um, you know, the the gaming space with with the interoperability. Um, this year, we'll have the ability for projects to be able to consolidate liquidity onto Layer 1X and have that liquidity serve any chain we're connected to. So fragmentation of liquidity across multiple chains doesn't won't need to happen. You can pull your liquidity onto Layer 1X and be connected to Ethereum, Polygon, ABAX, Binance, Solana, um, and every other chain that we continue to connect, Arbitrum Optimism, and, and the more and more chains we can, can we, we will connect during 2024, EVM, non-EVM. Um, the interoperability will allow for cross-chain verification of NFT um, ownership. So you can issue, you can start to mint, uh, you know, NFTs on, on an EVM or non-EVM chain, but still verify the ownership of that on any other chain for, for use, whether it's transposability of NFTs or just, um, you know, um, interoperability of the same NFT on multiple, multiple different platforms. Um, we're also looking at the um, building out the gamer profile. So a profile that is compatible across multiple chains, EVM, non-EVM, where you can encrypt and own that gamer profile data uh, where you can um, you know, start to customize those experiences and interact with projects that may want to allow you a customized experience where you can start at a higher level if you're a professional, uh, but also the monetization of that, where you can start to you because you own that data, and people want to reach out to you and, and advertise to you. You can monetize that data as well. And last but not least, the ability for gaming tokens to be purchased across multiple different chains. So we're looking at connecting our interoperability with Dex aggregation on multiple chains. So whether you're a small game or a large game, if you're part of a Dex, um, that Dex aggregator will pick up that liquidity 
connect it to our cross chain. And so now your gaming token can be purchased across multiple different chains, um, all through our bridges interoperability. Um, and these are just a few of some of the things that we're bringing to, to the space and, and that we feel that can have a, a, a positive impact on Web3 Gaming. Look, guys, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. I think we've had a, a vast array of quality speakers. I loved your insights. I loved your experience. I'm sure it's been loved by the audience that have joined us here today. Many, many thanks to you all. Um, you know, we, for, to everyone listening, we'll be running these X Talks um, regularly, uh, weekly, whether they're DeFi, whether they're gaming, whether they're meme, whether they're NFTs, whether they're digital identity. But I think today's been a great space and a huge thank you to all the speakers. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Thanks, guys. It was fun being here. Bye, guys. Thanks, everybody. Ciao.